Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate wickedly smart women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their leadership and their impact. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our very special guest, Estelle Giroux. Estelle is a PhD scientist in population genetics turned commercial operator and leader in biotech and frontier medicine at Illumina, and now turned founder. As a mother and woman founder, Estelle has had to navigate the change and challenges that come with the journey. She is deeply excited and scared by the rise of big data in healthcare and wellness and passionate about creating a better healthcare system from the ground up, especially for individuals. So I am super excited to have you here on the show today. Welcome, Estelle. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, I want to start with asking you kind of a maybe a little fun question about how you got turned on to healthcare. Did you like play nurse and doctor when you were a child? (laughs) No, surprisingly. (laughs) And actually, I didn't immediately imagine that I would end up in healthcare. So you mentioned in the intro, I'm a population geneticist by training. Originally, my research programs around that were in plants because I will say I've always had this burning desire for humanity. I don't like seeing problems unsolved. And I saw big problems around global hunger and sustainability and kind of how do we feed people effectively. And so originally, you know, I was it was very deep in in plant genetics and, and crop genetics and plant stress and kind of that entire world. I shifted, though, and a, there were a couple of things there. One is I realized that hunger is is systematic in so many layers and even if you solve it at a scientific level there is just other so many other problems that exist and at the same time i became aware of this revolution that was happening in genetic technologies so for your listeners that maybe don't think about this very much what used to take you know human genome project kind of stuff this is two decades old project it was sequencing the first human genome from you know nothing and it cost billions of dollars and in two decades it now doesn't cost billions of dollars we're down to about 200 dollars per genome and it's happened ridiculously fast and so the the technology the applications the kind of what does that mean for humanity and what does that open up happened really fast and i was coming of age in my career right went right in parallel for that happening and it ignited in me a, a real kind of urgency for how do we 
how do we harness this data and what does this do for medicine and what does this do for humanity? And so I transitioned a lot of my work and, and moved to commercial and, and really focused, doubled down on, on human genetics and medicine and healthcare. Mm. And I realized how easy humans were compared to plants. <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> plants are complex. Plants are incredibly complex from a genetics perspective. Most wow, of that's pretty funny. Well, you know, we think yeah. that we're we think that we're the superior species, but we actually may not be. It's, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's also I you know it's not just the genetics side of things. It's the tools and the the amount of resources and investment that goes into human health is just, you know, orders of magnitude more than in plant science. So in sure. plant science, a lot of the times you're building things, you're, it's like, oh, that tool doesn't exist. You have to build it. Right. Whereas in human health, you have a foundation that you can build upon. So there's already been so much investment and tools that are available for you to to kind of layer on top of. Sure. All right. I want to take another step back and talk about you yeah. coming up as a scientist, right? Yeah. I mean, science, many more women are in science, you know, wickedly smart women are in science than used to be the case, but there's still, to a certain extent, I would imagine, quite the minority. And so I'd love to have you talk a little bit about what that trajectory was like for you and what were some of the challenges, both as a mother, as well as a female, that you have navigated maybe first in the field of science, and then we can talk about being a founder. <laughs> yeah, this is a big topic. I'm sure we could spend a lot of time talking about this. I, I think it's lenses on the same kind of problem whether that's a scientist or a founder or, you know, an entrepreneur or just a woman in business. One thing that I will say is common theme threaded through all of these kind of roles that I've had is the really seeking female role models and seeing what that could be even if that's a little bit different to how a man would be in in those roles. So I, I'm a firm believer that power comes when people bring their whole authentic self and their whole insights to a problem space or to a role. And historically in these fields, we've had very one-dimensional or, you know, a selected non-diverse representation of that and it limits what we can do it limits everything and so when there is space for women in particular and and also you know we're talking about diversity beyond just women right like it's any diversity is is good in this sense it's when you get to bring your whole self to that and create a different way of doing it or create a different stereotype or a different form of leadership you not only trailblaze for the industry, but you trailblaze for other women and other people that might not fit a stereotype behind you. And so trying to find those really strong female role model scientists was challenging. And a lot of women in science end up sacrificing things like they sacrifice their ability to have children. They're, you know, all about getting grants and publishing for decades. And 
fitting into a certain kind of very male role model, it's challenging, right? Like, I, th I think we need more voices. We need more women to say, you know what, I'm going to do this differently. And so throughout my career, you know, even as a, as a founder as well, especially like when I, when I left my corporate job and started building Trellis Health, it was at the very beginning of the pandemic. So the world was shifting very fast. I was also pregnant at the same time. I found out I was pregnant and I was grasping for a female entrepreneur who was pregnant, who built a tech company and raised money. And I was like, where are these people? Who are these people? Who can I model off? They weren't necessarily like in that, exactly in that vein, but people like Jacinta Ardern, who is the first female prime minister of New Zealand, not only was she the first female prime minister in a political leadership role there, in a pandemic, and then she also, in her term, had a baby, her first child, while in office, and took time off and was unapologetic about it. Was mm. like, this is, and and she has been applauded globally for her leadership style, being incredibly empathetic and incredibly inclusive. Mm. And you know, it's just a different, it's a different way of leading. Well, I, so we need more of that. I agree with you that we need more of that. And what I'd love to hear from you, Estelle, is where did you get the courage to say, I'm not doing it? You know, number one, where did you get the courage to to not just simply conform and to look for role models that you could model after? And then where did you get the courage to just say, I'm going to do this my way? I'm going to go out. I am going to be a founder. I am going to you know, break the mold of being a scientist in the old way of being a scientist, which naturally is going to extend into your vision for what you're creating. So where did you find that courage, Estelle? Courage is a common theme. I am not fearless, but I would say that it's, so my urgency and my passion got to a place where it outweighed the fears or any hesitation that I had in doing this. And it's an, we haven't spoken about trellis health much, but it's an area that I am extremely passionate about. I think we're at a tipping point in humanity and in society, and we need to protect this. And I saw on the front lines of my work at Illumina, nobody was building this. And I kept trying to, try and find somebody who who cared about this as much as I did or saw this and that didn't exist and it got to a point where I couldn't not do it it's hard right like that transition that first few months afterwards I was like what did I just do <laughs> you know what is this it was actually really I mean it was difficult at the time but being pregnant at the same time it was like once you've committed to that, there's a whole lot of complexity that we could talk about in that as well. But I was like, I'm having a child. There is not a lot I can do about that. I've chosen this. I'm on this path. Like, I'm just doing it. And it was a very similar parallel with Trellis, where I was like, nobody is building this. There are no, like, really great role models that I can look up to. Like, I am compelled to do this. Mm. I'm just going to do it. Yeah, beautiful. Well, you know, that's it's something that I have experienced myself. I have many guests who have been on the show. I, you know, I call it the calling. 
You know, yeah. when you get the calling, you can't not do it. A lot of times we talk about courage, but, and I think the calling is something that comes to your heart and is responded to courageously by your heart. Mm -hmm. So that's maybe where the courage piece comes in. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we are going to talk more about Trellis and discover a little bit about what your vision is and how you are building this vision into reality. But right now we are going to take a quick break and Wickedly Smart Women, we could use your help if you're enjoying the show and want us to stay on the air. Please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. Please help me out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so we can serve them too. I do want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We're also celebrating that we just won the People's Choice Podcast Awards in the Business Management Tools category for the second time. And we also just won the silver award in the W3 awards for the second time. And so we are now a seven time award-winning show. Yay us. Thanks guests. Thanks listeners. And we are welcoming thousands and thousands of downloads from all over the world. 103 countries are now downloading. We want to shout out this week to our listeners in Seattle where Estelle is in Australia, where Estelle comes from. And we might as well throw in France, which is where her last <laughs> name comes from. And we will be right back with Estelle Giraud. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition, women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your wealthy life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Estelle Giraud. Before we went to the break, we were talking a little bit about the courage that she had to answer this calling to create Trellis Health. And so now on the back half here, we're going to talk a little bit about that vision. We're going to talk about Trellis Health. But before we do, I want to let you know that you can find Estelle on Twitter. My team will have the will have the connections to Estelle in the show notes. And Trellis Health, you can find out about that at jointrellishealth.com. So let's talk. Estelle, about your vision? Like, what was it that you saw that you now have have founded Trellis Health to solve for? Yeah. So at its core, I'll do the, the quick version here. <laughs> you know, I was working in the forefront of medicine and particularly genetics in medicine. And Within five years, I firmly believe this is not just me, but 
almost everybody in the developed world will have some kind of genetic testing information on themselves. We, we will just understand this about ourselves. And today, there is not a safe place to put that information. It's incredibly personal. It's incredibly valuable. And it can be used for your health. You know, almost every health you know, condition or disease that we suffer from as a species has some kind of genetic component. So we're at the very beginning stages of a completely different way of thinking about medicine. Within the next decade, like a, going to your doctor in a decade or two is going to look and feel very different to what it does today. And genetics is just one piece of that. But what I saw in parallel to this revolution happening is the privacy piece. Mm. You know, what do we do with all this health data? Health data is bought and sold like you wouldn't believe. People, most people don't realize the marketplaces that exist that are making billions of dollars today on de-identifying and I'm using air quotes there, mm. buying and selling people's health data. And so Trellis you know, this is this is kind of a holy grail of healthcare. Is can we have everybody's, you know, a person's all of their health information, their wearable, you know, devices, their medical records, their genetics, their social determinants of health? Can that all be in one place? So you have for your whole life this history of health that you own and you can share and benefit from that. Now, everybody from Google to Apple Health to, you know, other, people are trying to build this, right? Mm -hmm. I believe the missing piece is privacy and ownership there. Like that is a huge drawcard. People don't trust that this information isn't going to be used for benefit for others, you know, people that are not themselves. And the second piece is around finding the right distribution and the right person dealing with the right kind of health situation at the right time. And so my insight there really came around pregnancy. When I was pregnant, and I was already in this space. I was already really passionate about health data and improving the quality of care. And then I was pregnant and I was like, what is this? <laughs> this is exactly what I signed up for. <laughs> and I realized there's an opportunity here for women to experience a better way of, of being pregnant and taking control over their body and being able to advocate for themselves and being able to have better care. The U.S. has one of the worst maternal mortality rates in the world. We constantly miss and, and like women are dying because diseases are not caught and, and things are not treated properly. So like, can we improve maternal mortality rates, improve the quality of care, do that in a really data driven way and give women ownership over that health journey and kind of all of their health information and then they get to pass that down to their children and mm. that becomes an asset for the next generation so we're mm. we're rebuilding kind of health data ownership in a generational sense and we're we're doing that with women for women oh beautiful well i definitely want to applaud you first of all estelle for 
for seeing the problems and for coming up with the solutions. I want to talk now about what it's like as a founder in any industry getting the funding because, you know, you have chosen to value your vision to the extent that you left behind, I'm sure, a very lucrative, you know, career. Yep. And so can we talk about the money piece? Because I think that that is, you know, one of the major pieces that we have to really put a spotlight on for any woman who's thinking about founding anything, we've got to be thinking about the money. So can you talk a little bit about that journey and what that's been like for you? And, you know, whether you had any speed bumps and and what you did, like psychologically, mindset wise, emotionally, to keep valuing your vision and speaking into your vision and, and enrolling people in your vision, who will give you more than enough money to make it come into reality. Yeah. I have some tips and tricks here. I will say it's hard, like fundraising. It doesn't matter who you are. It's hard. (laughs) Being a woman, being a first time founder is even harder. And it was unexpectedly hard. So you you see the success stories and the write-ups and the way that this entrepreneurship and fundraising is glorified in the media. I will say straight up, reality is not that, right? Like it's go into this expecting a ton of roadblocks, a ton of rejection, a ton of no's. It's supposed to be hard. Like it's not supposed to be easy. That said, I think we do need to radically shift the way that funding is is given specifically to women and the biases that exist with how women get funded. So one thing in particular, and there have been, you know, many research studies on this, but men are typically judged on future performance. So when as a male, if you're going and chatting with a, a VC, a venture capitalist, and they're latching onto this future vision, how big could this be? How could this change the world? How, you know, how fast could we grow these very blue sky, exciting future looking questions? And as a woman, you know, research has backed this up. Women get judged on prior performance. So has she demonstrated this skill before? Does she have the experience? Does she have the aptitude for this? And so the the lines of questioning are very defensive. It's like, well, how do you know that this is your customer acquisition cost? And and what analysis have you done to to prove that this isn't going to, you know, go down this rabbit hole of of not good outcomes. And as a woman, then you as a founder, you have to be first recognize this and then be able to redirect those questions because it happens subconsciously. It's not even happening consciously. And so if you can say, okay, yeah, sure, here's the calculation for customer acquisition cost. But in you know phase two, this is what we're doing and this is how big it's gonna be and this is how the costs are gonna decrease. And you can reframe that conversation to a blue sky kind of conversation. That's when you can start to shift the narrative. And then I personally think that, you know, change comes 
from the whole way down. So your listeners may not be familiar with this, but VCs take money from LPs, limited partners, as their investors. And so typically LPs are majority men and, you know, white wealthy family offices. They are measuring and giving VCs money against their particular biases. And then the VCs are executing on their biases as well. It it kind of flows down the whole stack. So we need more women investors. And, you know, I'm really passionate about making sure that our cap table is diverse. We have women on our cap table. So, you know, when we're getting that enormous exit, we're putting wealth back into into powers of structure that have women at the top that can then invest that wealth back down into more diverse founders. But it's like all the way up the stack, it, it needs to change. Mm, beautiful. Well, you are a change agent extraordinaire. So you've got, you've got a lot on your plate here. We're going to change the healthcare system. We're I mean, gonna, the- we're going to change data. We're going to change the, the money system and how it flows to founders. Let's just put it all on the list. Estelle. I, I love don't you. like problems. I like <laughs> solutions. I love you. Well, I'm the same way. There are no there are no problems. There are only solutions that have yet to be found is what I like to say. All right, Estelle, we got one minute left. So if there was okay. anything that you would like to just leave our listeners with, whether it's about being a founder, about chasing your vision, about having the courage to step away from old paradigms, anything that you'd like to say in the last minute, we'd love to hear it. I'll, so really quickly, we are enrolling a private beta for Trellis Health. So if any of your listeners are pregnant or know of anybody that is pregnant and would like to try out the software, definitely please check out the website. And we would love to have passionate pioneers, people that really care about this space on board. The second thing that I would say is most people don't think about their health. You know, it's one of these things that it's you don't think about it until it's broken and then it becomes your number one priority. And so it's more of just an encouragement for people to think about investing in and advocating for and being aware of some of the ways that a medicine works and the power that we have as consumers to impact change. So by deciding what services you use and and how much emphasis and, and effort you place in your health, we can shift systems. Um, mm, beautiful. Yeah. I love it. We can shift systems. Beautiful. Well, listeners, we do love your feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show and our beautiful guest by calling into our listener line. We'll have that number for you in the show notes or send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. Keep your ears open and remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode 
at wickedlysmartwomen.com.